about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Nightmare. A nightmare. A nightmare. Uh, nightmare, you say. I do say. You know what's not a nightmare? What isn't? It's this episode of Worst Gig Ever. Hey, guys, I'm Mike Pace. I'm Jeff Garlock. I'd say this is a special episode. This is episode 100. Officially 100. We've done 100 episodes <laughs> interviewing guests. There have been yes. a couple of other uh, holiday bonus exactly. episodes. And those don't count. Those are those are bonuses for you, and, that, and you're welcome. Exactly. And... For the 100th episode, I'd like to say we've come full circle because for the first episode, we interviewed Jay Green, who was yep. in, you played in bands with. Played in Orchid and Panthers with him. We figured, hey, he was a great first guest. So for the 100th guest, let's get someone that I played in a band with. So we have Dan Featherston, drummer of Oxford Collapse. Some of you may know him from his stint working in McDonald's, the band. He also played That's briefly. That's from. He, he did also play briefly in a band called Surprisers. We don't talk about any of those. Nope. We just talk about Oxford Collapse, and, and it was it was a cathartic conversation. I was happy to watch the catharsis happen. You, you, you asked some very good questions because, you know, normally it's a three, you know, it's Jeff's opinion, my opinion, and the guest. Yeah. And this is one of those rare times where the guest, Dan and I, played in a band together. So it was... Two and then one. I got so, to see uh, a point counterpoint. I was yeah. able to set that up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and so so if you're interested in the inner workings of a band, I think in general, this the dynamic between players. I know I got stuff out of it. Yeah, I got out too. Hey, if you want the closest thing to an oral history of Oxford Collapse with both sides of the coin. Well, if you want the closest thing to an oral history, you may want to contact the college student who was planning on <laughs> writing the book. Oh, really? About Oxford Collapse. Interviewed me for like hours on end. And then later wrote a blog post about it. Perfect. So uh, those tapes From do exist. From book to blog post, the Oxford Collapse story. But, but this does shed some light on some things. Uh, you know, the band hasn't been around for five years now. So it was, it was nice to revisit a lot of that stuff. And it was a nice way to usher in the 100th episode. Perfect. With that, we should say we have a very special big announcement. Huge announcement. Next week. Are you champing at the bit? And I, I am <laughs> champing at the bit. The more I read about that phrase, the more I realize champing at the bit is probably right. I know. It's heady weird. times. <laughs> yeah. An- another, heady, heady times. Another phrase we're going to usher in. So, <laughs> like we said, 100th episode. If you're interested in any of the previous 99, check them out. Please Luke's do. Big ever. Podcast.tumblr.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Facebook, wherever podcasts are sold. You can pick us up. You can check out uh, all that lovely stuff. How's that for a plug? It's pretty good. Yeah. You can also send us an email at worstgigever at gmail.com. Did you say that already? I did. No, you didn't. Good thing I said it. Yeah. You can also tweet at us or check out our Twitter. Whatever way you want to use Twitter to your advantage, go to at Mike E. Pace, at G. Garlock, at Worst Gig Ever. And then also check out our web series. 
at youtube.com backslash official comedy. That's right. Seven Man. great episodes, seven great guests. I was just listening to Frightened Rabbits on the way over here. and Well, I was listening to him talk. And you should watch him talk on our show, too. Yeah. And you can also listen to those on your new Tweaked Audio headphones. Great idea. Go to tweakedaudio.com. Enter the promo code WORST and get one-third off of your purchase of a pair of these lovely headphones, courtesy of the great people at Tweaked Audio. Solid dudes. So, again, like we said, big announcement coming next week. But in the meantime, check out Dan Featherston talking about drumming, talking about playing in a band with me, talking about life and how to live it here only. Unworst Gigamer. Unworst Gigamer. Unworst Gigamer. Space, 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 space. I've been thinking about it this week, and uh, one that did come to mind, which I don't know if you and I have ever talked about, um, as memorable, was Gainesville, uh, South by Southwest Tour 2006. We're, uh, <laughs> Already touring, all sounds terrible. Touring, touring with Part Chimp, like coming back, you know, through Florida. And <laughs> it was like, what was that cavernous venue in Gainesville uh, that um, like, could fit four or 500 people? I think we had played there more than once. I don't know. No, I don't know. Was that but with it, Look Mexico? No, that was that was, that was Tallahassee, I think. It was Tampa the skate park. Yeah, Gainesville. This is okay. Gainesville. And it was like some cavernous 400 capacity venue. Common ground? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you remember the show? No, I, I, uh, well, basically we no. decided to, in our infinite wisdom, like after sound check too, we're just going to improv this entire show we're just gonna, wow. we're just gonna jam do you remember that I, I, now? now it is coming back to me yeah <laughs> so we just decided to jam and we were with we we're on tour with Parchimp. we're like this awesome heavy uh very competent mu- musically uh musically competent band uh. and and i was like you know if we if we get it like i'm gonna know like 30 seconds in if this is gonna work or not and like i just we you know started like we were like we know we went on like there was you know there was zero people when right. we started playing and then like you know a couple people in this cavernous room and like within 20 seconds i was like lost the beat like was fucking up and i was like you know i had never like seen a drums kit before and then i was like what the fuck are we gonna do now for the next how long is this jam gonna last 20 25 minutes like half an hour and that i just remember being completely mortified and all the part chimp guys just like standing there like you know arms crossed like who the fuck do these guys (laughs) what was running through your head like why why that show why did you decide because was it was it a post south by i think it was coming back or was it going it was coming back we had like you know we had a our booking age at the time was from Florida. So our, curiously, our tour schedule had like, you know, six Florida dates. Right. A place <laughs> I played once in yeah. my entire life. On the way, on the way back from, uh, yeah, Austin. from South by Southwest. So, uh, I don't know why we decided to do that. I think now that I'm thinking about it, we, <laughs> what we, you know, it was probably a show that were like, there's nobody here. Sure. This is, this is essentially glorified practice. And when we would practice, we would often do a jam in A just to like <laughs> kind of loosen up and really? just like, yeah. I mean, I was just, just about to ask, did you ever like, yeah, yeah it was, we weren't, we weren't too much of a jam. Yeah, band, yeah, it right. definitely wasn't jam, but it would be like a crowdy, just like, you know. I think it's just cause like, you know, like friends of mine who don't like play music, like especially like UCB people, they like 
Like, I, like my friend Nate, I think, is like asked, like, you know, do you jam? Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I've ever. I really? think one time I made when Panthers had visuals and I made and then we gave up on them because it's too hard to do. And I had made like, you know, slow motion lava coming out of lava like and I set it up in our practice space. It was just me and Kip and Saladi, our drummer and guitarist jamming for like 20 minutes but i also think kip was stoned out of his gourd <laughs> and was just like yeah let's go for it and i was like oh, i'm just gonna see if this works yeah i was more just like oh let me make sure the dvd works but jamming never no i like think i think in the true how did the practice space jams go when you would do yeah, it? i mean it can go well yeah if we were in the right mindset and there's no like nobody watching you know sure like i'm not like i remember once this guy came to try out to be our bass player. And he was like, I don't jam. He was like really adamant. Remember about not, <laughs> not jamming. And I thought that was kind of weird. Right. But yeah, it's not, it's natural in the practice space, like to jam on a riff. I mean, how'd you guys write songs? If not bring in parts, jamming. Oh, really? Almost 100%. See, bring in parts. Like, especially Panthers would be like, I'm bringing in all of these parts. And we'd sit there and Selene was the composer, the drummer. I would let like, and I always said that, like, I would be mm-hmm. like, how, what do you think? Like, where do you put this? What's the verse? What's the chorus? How many times? Uh, or as it went on, I would just bring in full songs and kind of the same deal in my band now. Like we kind of bring in parts and then there are like, I guess sections where we jam, but it's really just riding on a riff versus like, I mean, it's as a person also who doesn't know any of the notes on his <laughs> bass or guitar, it's hard to say ride an A. I'd yeah. be like, cool. Well, I know. I think we were, we were kind of the exact opposite in that stuff would, uh, um, Kind of evolved naturally, but I think in jam in the classic sense of the word, like we did not do right as much as like, all right, you take a like a six lead now. Like it was never like that. <laughs> right. It was kind of about um, trying to create something out of it or just to kind of like get right. War- right. warmed up, warmed up. Yeah. And I think it was just a, a, a lack, a, a, a complete <laughs> lack of judgment <laughs> what, there. Do you remember what your reaction? I think, what was your reaction? To that I'm show? trying to I, I think it was I can picture it very well i i'm trying to i think did we go into we eventually i think we had a backup where like we went into some songs <laughs> yeah backup plan initiated yeah. like within right. 45 yeah, seconds I think, right yeah it was it, i think it was one of those working. things where we had st- overstepped our our bounds and like uh it's and that's i think it's one of those those um situations where like well maybe it's not necessarily a practice show right you know i think just the environment we were in Right. Dictated like we weren't comfortable doing that as opposed to being in a small practice. The only time the closest, no, and I guess it still probably wasn't even jam, like one Orchid show, Mm -hmm. which it's like even the band, I don't understand how we could have, but like I've talked about this before. I think we played Switzerland, but there were no other bands. It was just us. (laughs) Again, a cavernous room where I was like, what are you doing here? Uh, Right by the Swiss banks. And they're like, you, they're, you're the only band, and you're supposed to play for 45 to 50 minutes. Yeah. And we're orchids. Like, all of our songs were, like, 15 to 30 seconds. So our set list was, like, 20 to 25 songs long. We had to play the three long songs we had. And I think we had an instrumental on the yeah. last record that we ostensibly jammed out, which just was like, how about you just ride that part a bit more? Yeah. <laughs> really, in just a way to just, like, and they didn't do shit either. The crowd was just constantly, like, arms crossed staring to know well, what's going do on. Do you remember in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Yeah, we jamming were, on Proud Mary. Jamming on Proud Mary for 17 minutes. <laughs> because... I, was, I don't know how long it was, but do you remember that my... I was I had to play like 16th notes on the kick drum? Right. 
like however fast but like and then they were just like oh let's ride this out 10 minutes 15 minutes and i'm like going like this and i'm like i can't do it anymore i could have just stopped the other beat but it was like it was like the kraut part of the it's yeah it's not like lars ulrich's like kick if it's not true yeah i wish i uh wait so what why what how long was your set well they, you this show in coeur d'alene do you want to what do you remember of the show coeur d'alene idaho uh I mean, there was like, well, we had, we took a photo of the crowd at the end. It was like, <laughs> we took a photo I, with I the also crowd. remember it was daylight. I, it's like, is Idaho like Sweden in the summertime or something? Yeah. Because right. I feel like it was like 10 o'clock at night, but daylight. Oh, Idaho. Yeah. Land like, of the eternal sun. Yeah. yeah. I get, yeah, yeah. Idaho. Uh, <laughs> so there, it was daylight and there was like, it was a coffee shop with all the lights. I was just really bright. And there was like, <laughs> I don't know, like two like kids, like runaway like kids in, or like probably on vacation because Coeur d'Alene is like, Beautiful yeah, vacation yeah, lake place. lakefront. It seemed like two kids, like two like eleven year olds, like on vacation, like wandered in, and then like two like two teen girls and like yeah. maybe two or three other people, and no other bands. Like it wasn't even. Yeah, I don't even. I don't think they knew what, one band. Yeah, they, I don't think they knew what we were doing there. Kind right. of thing. But then I remember we slept there and watched Annie Hall. We did, and because. Uh, the guy who ran the head shop where the show took place couldn't meet our $100 guarantee or whatever it was <laughs> and offered to have us sleep in the, sh- in the shop. Right. Which is, which is what we did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember it was like during the day, either that maybe there was another <laughs> was that band that night, canceled. But it was light. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, but it wound up just being us. So we just figured at that time, 2005, we were playing Proud Mary right. in the set. So we just, when you get crowded it, that out the moment when you realize a show is just you is a real rough moment because you'll go in like th- like i remember like we played once so like fuck some college in vermont mm-hmm. and i remember it as like a show i hated because it was like we got there and realized we were playing in like the campus coffee shop but at a like a, like it was a like a, a uh like a competition like battle of the bands battle of the bands but i was like why are we battle like we're a fucking real band and then we were stuck there because we were in the middle of nowhere we were out of college so we were just and i remember like that was the moment too like one of the first times where i was like i'm too old for this shit like where it's like we had to stay in a dorm (laughs) and like they were having parties and i was just like i want to leave so bad and i can't because i don't know where we are can you remember other times where we were just the only band and it was incredibly awkward. I think in France, at also a coffee shop. Oh, yeah. That's right. Like <laughs> Metz. East, Eastern France. Where was it? It was Metz, M-E-T-Z. Okay. That's the name of the town? That was the name of the town. And I remember, yeah, we had to, like, we played quiet. It was... it was. Oh, yeah, we had to play really quietly. Yeah. And that was, like, similar in my mind to the Coeur d'Alene show for some reason. It was, like, a coffee shop. They didn't know what we were doing there. Right. But there actually, there were more people at that show I think it, that seemed to be, like, at least pretending Valentine's to be Valentine's Day. Ooh, oh, interesting. I didn't, Is I didn't, that why you had to play so quiet? I think it was just it was like a noise ordinance thing. Like, why are they having shows in Mets? That was, and I, re- I remember in that show the hotel we stayed in was really creepy. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a, you know, a lot of whores in the, uh, in the town. Or something. I, it was like it was just like a, it was just like a weird the French, the classic French prostitute. Was it was definitely there. it was definitely something like that. Um, yeah, but that's the, the uh, to your credit, uh, the Idaho story has not been told on the podcast before. The Idaho, I think you brought that one up. <laughs> no, you did. The Idaho, yeah, Coeur d'Alene. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, uh, the, the Tallahassee Florida. show. Yeah, I wonder what bands usually play that floor. That Tallahassee. We'd play there twice. I think In we played Gainesville? there with Thunderbirds. Are now once 
at that same venue yeah, yeah that makes sense. we played in florida a ton for some reason when i love florida so that was yeah. cool with me well we played there because of dan thunderdome yeah but we even You're before that we had our a buddy who lived time. in gainesville we recorded yeah. like a, a record down there seven inch that never never why do you out. like florida so much i love florida because i like the uh the tropic tropical heat uh, no way <laughs> no dice for me i don't like it so much in new york i guess it's not tropical up here but. right um, I like it down there. I, re- I have fond memories of the uh, St. Augustine show from the f- our first Florida tour, 2004, which was like, I'm surprised that you guys never played it because that was like a big like punk yeah. town. Yeah, like, I know. No, we, it was, yeah, well, I mean, like the last Orchid tour that we would have played, we pl- yeah, I think we played Gainesville, but only because that's where the Combat Reversal guys lived. Mm. Uh, and I think even that, like, where... I feel like when we left, it was like, why do we come back here? Like, it's stupid. Because I think the show got canceled, and then we ended up... Maybe we played two shows, because I remember we stayed at the True North House, too. Uh, but I just remember the show got canceled, and it got moved to, like, a house. Like, you know, it all of a sudden became a house show, and it was, like, totally fine. Yeah. But I was just like, it's so hot here. I just don't like it. It just never worked for me. And, so like, my, yeah, my friend lived in Tallahassee and was, like, trying to convince me to come down there, because he said there was, like, a big, like, punk scene. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a commitment. We've talked about before. Yeah. You go into Florida, you're in Florida. You're there for a while. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't it's hard to just like unless you're just you dipping don't, in. Yeah, you don't skirt it. No. I mean that's why I've never been to Miami. Dip down. Yeah. We yeah. never played Miami. I would have liked to have. Well that was also because you that's that's that requires at least a day. Yeah. To get there. I mean St. Augustine I've been many times well, we've, with my family. We've done uh, northern Florida. Like that was all that was always part of right. the uh, the circuit. Uh, what I was think the punk scene like in St. Augustine. I just I remember there were like a lot of kids at the show and there was like a band where they like, they played in their underwear or something like you know, like some like gruff punk band that like played in their underwear. <laughs> Hot water music yeah, club. Something like that, but probably Burly guy uh, with bearded gruff yeah. vocals. Um but I wanted to get for the record, uh the story you know Oxford Collapse being the first band that you really played drums in, right? Yeah. So I want to get the story of how you learned how to play drums on the record. Well, I'm still learning, actually. Um, I am. Or how you acquired your first drum set. uh, What's the statute of limitations in Connecticut is the question. (laughs) Um, Well, in uh, between freshman and sophomore year of college... My buddy and I, because uh, we, you know, I was still straight edge then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what do you do with your time when you're like 18, 19 years old? And uh, you don't, you know, you play go, shows at the tune. Or you go break <laughs> into your elementary school, like yeah. every, every night. Yeah, either or. Uh, or your junior high right. or your, uh, your high school. So what I was, I was basically like, I had tried, I'm basically, I'm tone deaf. So I... Always wanted, like, always wanted to, I wanted to be a singer, I wanted to play guitar, and I couldn't do any of these things. So then I was like, how about I play drums? Maybe I can bang on the drums. So uh-huh. uh, that summer, well, we were, it started like we used to go on the roof of our high school a lot. And then my buddy, um, who's in politics now, so I won't name him, <laughs> uh, got Barack shit Obama. <laughs> yeah, he might be the president one day. Uh, uh, he got the master key to our, high school and uh we started like you know going and we weren't breaking anything but we were going in and just like looking around and then uh it just started happening that i would pick up like uh you know a snare drum here at this one school and then uh like the the kick drum at another school and like cymbals at yet another school and 
the the stool and all the hardware. So then I had a full drum set, and then I would banging away, and my parents were like, "What? The, what, what is this sound?" Because they don't know. <laughs> my parents were born before rock and roll, so they were like, "What is this crazy sound? It's right. the drums, mom." <laughs> right. uh, and then she's like, "Where'd you get those drums?" I'm like, "Josh gave them to me." <laughs> and she's like, "All right." Uh, but they still like my symbol that I still use to this day uh has mhs like etched into it underneath really yeah and it's a great sound it's like a shitty like mid-90s like low rent uh zildjian like off or like one of the cheap zildjian right right um but it sounds it's got a great nipple sound yeah wow yeah and you've never cracked it or anything no it's like indestructible what symbol is it the bronze. Oh, okay. Dipped in bronze. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, bronze. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, by nefarious means cobbling together a, a kit, which I think kind of speaks to um, just your, just the unorthodox style in which some might say that you play. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but I just learned how to play. I'm learning... <laughs> Currently, in 2014, uh-huh. how to play drums properly and how to hold the sticks right. Uh-huh. Um, because I, I was never doing it right at all. Like, I did, my wrist was like, you know, it's all on the wrist. And right. My wrist was always like, like rigid, like right. absolutely rigid. So I would be like, again, playing 16 notes or something. I was yeah. right. like, like really exerting myself. Well, Dan claimed for the longest time that he could not play like the classic punk beat. It took me, it took yeah. me six years to play that like uh, strokes beat. <laughs> Is this it or whatever? Right. Whatever that song is. Last night. <laughs> right. Uh, wait, why could you... Could, oh, because it's too hard on your to do your whole arm? Well, that was one. No, and then I, 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 I couldn't like do the, the like a drum roll. I right. Know, I know how to do a drum roll. Right. But I'm learning now. I've been watching like, you know, like some eight or nine year old or he just sent me like a video last week of... Did you? Yeah. Which one? Every... Like oh, they just said that to me. Oh, yeah. the fat records. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was playing just, every fat. So that's like record. those are the techniques I'm trying to learn yeah. now. <laughs> for twenty minutes straight. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, but that's, I mean, just that 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 kind of segues into uh, your influences as a drummer, which I think added a lot to the band. Um, be it. Whoever, you know, like uh, Peter Buck or Mick Fleetwood or George Hurley and like not just necessarily the way you, the, the, your drumming style, but the way in which your kind of obsessiveness about s- certain bands, you know, be it as disparate as like Nirvana, R.E.M., Ice Cube, Guns N' Roses, like and not necessarily just like a love of those bands, but kind of a, a, an obsession of like how they did it. As we were kind of trying to go through it, and I, I'm I'm wondering if you could like explain that, like your you, how how you thought about that, and why like those disparate bands kind of spoke to you, and like how you you know could apply that to what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think other than well, I don't know. I wouldn't say they're very disparate, you know. They're yeah, well, I mean, they're yeah. same same like through line, same era, and I mean, I think it's just that they were like my you know formative. Influences in my formative years of like, you mm. know, 12, 13, 14. That's like what you were listening to. Were yeah. you listening to those bands? No. No? Almost none of no them. No NWA? Uh, nope. Not really. Nirvana? Uh, Nirv- I remember when Nirvana came out, I didn't like them at first. Uh, I did end up liking that, but I remember the first time I saw Smells Like Teen Spirit, I remember saying to myself out loud by myself, I hate bands that sound like this. 
Uh, uh, what year did you graduate high school? I graduated in 1996. Okay. Well, they're they're a divisive band for people like our age because yeah. if they were... I like, like that. I do. I, I now, love yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, a big chunk is when I found Bleach. I was just like, oh, Bleach yeah. is great. I remember being, conf- being confused by that when, right. I, when I got it. But I got it when I was like 13. So I was like, right. this doesn't sound like right. in bloom. But yeah. things like REM, like NWA, I didn't really care about guns uh, and roses i hate guns and roses really yeah See, that's they're another uh, and they're a band i've never got like they've always frustrated me even as a kid uh but i never really liked hair metal like as a metal fan like but I they're just not didn't. hair metal. i know that's but the- i lumped them in at the time because right. my aunt nancy uh, uh my my dad's sister she was like into like she's like kind of like helped me get into metal because she was like like she just went to see brett what at michael's uh-huh. like recently she's like 48 or something or in her 50s uh but she i remember she gave me the black album because it was too heavy for her uh but like she liked all that kind of stuff and i just didn't yeah guns N' roses never got me but uh, i see i think the uh, thing about guns and roses is that it it you know going through that phase but i think the reappreciation that we wound up having years down the road was that seeing the different phases of that band and mm-hmm. seeing the first phase and sure. specifically that Ritz 1988 show, ah, which is like yeah. a revelation because you're seeing, you know, this, they're a rock, but you know, and, and then also the other thing that I never forgot was, I think it was Izzy and Slash saying to Steven Adler. And the Juju Hounds. You really liked yeah, the Juju I had Hounds. that. I did have that record. It had the uh, Toots <laughs> and the Maytals cover on it. Pressure <laughs> it drop, is. which was great. But... You know, Izzy and Slash saying to Steven Adler when he came to practice with his like double bass, like ridiculous right. drum kit, like stripping it down to essentially like the Rolling Stones, you know, Charlie Watts, kit, right. like a minimalist kit. So right. there, so like Adler says it never happened though. So well, there's, there's the, you know, there's a, uh, I also though a, never had, I didn't have an appreciation for, I mean, I still just don't like Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses, but like I didn't have the appreciation of, like I do acknowledge that they were like, they were like a, dirty la rock bands like they were like new york dolls and rolling stones ish like mixed in with like punk from the farts mm-hmm. like what's his name but like uh but i also like didn't like classic rock like, yeah growing up like it's I only like, i didn't either like because of connecticut in a big way like because that's all connecticut yeah. plays right. 99 rock wplr like is like you 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 learn to think and this is the problem with classic rock radio, especially in Connecticut. You learn to think that there are only three Black Sabbath songs. Mm-hmm. And there are only like two, one Deep Purple song. And Aerosmith. Uh, and, and, Aeros- and then there's a surprisingly more amount of Aerosmith songs. Yeah, well, I think that was uh, also part of like the eye-opening thing with all of these bands and kind of us in the van. Like in the, on these early tours that we did, we would just listen to like REM bootlegs right. from their you know, formative years and kind of just, and essentially studying it in a like way. Like Primus bootlegs for me. Uh, you know, like, yeah, the, the same, <laughs> applying the same kind of methodology of like, the, this band that became this big thing was once at the stage where we mm-hmm. were, not thinking that we would ever necessarily reach that stage. Right. But there was, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like there was almost like a humanity now to like, oh, I kind of see what these guys were going through and like, you know, these guys are just fucking idiots like we are, you know, and that it made it much more relatable as opposed sure. to like they're rock stars. Yeah. We're, we're fans. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as I said, I just got, I was obsessed with that stuff in like in a big way in like, you know, 12, 13, 14. And then we did like go back and really all together rediscover that stuff. Yeah. And just, yeah, listen to like hours of like REM bootlegs and like find every like different lyric 
Um, yeah. You know, every like as they were writing, the writing process was always really yeah. interesting, which you can get from a bootleg of any band. Yeah. You know, what's the writing process like today? I was just sending him like the uh, uh, Guns N' Roses like version of Anything Goes that was written post Hollywood Rose pre Appetite, like in the middle. And it's right. fascinating because yeah. it's like you hear the writing process. Right. Exactly. So I think that's what we liked about it is like trying to. You know, we knew these icons. And, the, yeah. and as you become musicians yourself, I know I had this moment of like, re, like, you know, you listen to it when you first get into music, but you, if you don't play music, you just hear like the song. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'd go back like to some bands and be like, oh, right. Like they're using double kick there. Yeah. Like, like, oh, they're used like they've got, you know, they're doing this pattern. Well, I, like, I think that's also, also kind like, of, oh, that's crazy. The secrets of the studio and how you make records once that like becomes a thing. Right. Would you say that that what was your favorite part of the whole kind of band experience? <laughs> well, it is a good that. part. Pardon me. Um, <laughs> my favorite part was writing songs. Yeah, and it was not recording. It was not playing live. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, just being like creative, and it was always about the like. I mean, I, I think about this a lot, like about the becoming rather than the being. Yeah, of it, you know, because there's when you just write a song, you're excited about it. You're always convinced it's like the best song that you've ever written. Um, and it's like so fresh and new and has all these possibilities. I mean, is that do you? Do you no, I, 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 I agree with you. And I, I think and one of the things that I think of all the time is like, well, when you look at huge artists and who have large discographies and you're like, well, what was you know, what was R.E.M. thinking on Around the Sun? Like, were they thinking, you know, what was Metallica thinking on St. Anger? Like, these are the best songs we've ever written. Right. Like, when, you, when you've when you built up a body of work, and I don't think you necessarily need to be a huge artist, are you always, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, you know, are you always thinking that, like, the stuff you're working on in the present is your best stuff? Or do you ever have that lapse and just like, well, I'm just phoning this one in? Right. I, there's got to be phone-ins, but there, I, I do feel like there is probably a surprising amount of, like, like Bob Dylan, like, he'll be, like, recording an album, like, in the past couple of years or so, and just be like, I think this might be, like, <laughs> equivalent to, like, Highway 61 Revisited, yeah. or, like, just, like, any sort of kind of classic record. Uh, I mean, in which, weirdly, there maybe there is some element, even with, there's got to be with big artists, like, that go past a certain level that it's still, like, they're hearing something different now. Yeah. It's like clearly Robert Plant wants to hear something different. Like he's very like, I want music that I create now to sound like Alison Krauss. Yeah. Like, you know, like he's not hearing. Well, like, I mean, one of the things that we always talked about was like the specific point where bands lost it. And right. R.E.M. Be, being like the prime example, of like with with Monster, they mm-hmm. lost it. Um, like, what do you think about that, though? If you were to like. Like thinking about someone losing it, and like, do they just go astray? Or are they being delusional? I think. Well, I mean, we we can't relate because all of these all these bands we've mentioned are like massive, popular bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All with all the pressure that comes mm-hmm. with it. So we like have no idea because it's, for them, it's so much more than just the like. Let's try to write a good song. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, there's so much so many people relying on them and so many fans to, so you can't necessarily mm-hmm. go a completely different route. And weird levels of input. Like it's not just like the four guys in REM at a certain point. And yeah. it's not like in Metallica, yeah. it's not the four guys, it's the therapist. And Cliff it's Bernstein. Bob Rock. Yeah. It's like Every, fucking yeah. Cliff Bernstein is Gandalf <laughs> fucking uh, Lars's dad. Yeah. But like, okay, well, how about, but more relatable. Okay. So let's take, let's take 
Oxford collapse, for for example, like, do you think that, or just in terms of when we when we ended where we did, um, if you look back on it, did you think, you know, there could have been more stuff that that could have gone on, or had we kind of reached that point where like, you know, uh, it's lost. No, I don't think this. we. I don't think we lost. I think we like we wrapped things up at a good time, mm-hmm. a good like healthy time. I don't think I don't think our writing had gotten stale, and I think that we, if we had continued, we would have like, you know, probably brand, you know, just tried because we were already trying kind of, you know, stuff like outside of our comfort zone, stuff mm-hmm. that didn't sound like us uh, with the our last record. So yeah, yeah, I could. I, I, we definitely hadn't gotten stale by that point. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I because I think the idea, like you said, was um, you know you want everything to like you don't want there to be filler. You don't want right. there to be like less. You know, at least I, that was my thinking is that like I want everything to be as as great as it possibly can yeah. within the context of what of what we're doing. I don't want to half ass anything. I remember Adam, our bass well, player. Also let, like I never understood completely and i guess it's working on different schedules but bands that had i mean maybe you guys did different but bands that would write like oh we're, you know you always hear that stuff like oh we wrote like 20 to 25 songs oh, yeah, we're gonna pick like 12 <laughs> and i'd be like nah we just wrote the songs that went on the record there's like one panthers song for us that like didn't go on mm-hmm. well, we tried an yeah i was always so impressed by like uh uh, what's, what's the word? Um, pro, pro, being pro, prolific. Yeah, being yeah, like just writing tons of songs. Mm-hmm. I was so we consciously tried to do that with our last record, and we were right. like had these grandiose ideas that we were going to release like a double our double nickels on the dime, right? Which is going to be like you know thirty five or like yeah thirty six songs on four <laughs> sides, right? And then we're like, I remember thinking to myself like you know if this was some other band, it was a band like <laughs> it was some specific band. Like was that Josh Roth band? It's oh, um, uh, Ra Ra Riot. It was them. I think it was them. I was like, what if I heard that Ra Ra Riot was doing this? Right. Do I? Would, I don't. I'm sorry. I apologize to Ra Ra Riot because I'm like, uh, they're not. They're just guys. you just picked them. But as it's just an they're just a random band, and I'm like, right. if I heard them, I'd be like, oh god, you right. know, like do we do? Who needs that? But yeah. even that feels different than what? Like, because that's like with the intention, at least at one putting point, it out. To like putting it out versus the like. Like, I guess it's also, it's something that happens in, like, metal bands. Like, I'll hear, like, you know, In Flames as new records. Like, what's the process? Or, or, you know, how you guys come along? It'll be like, well, we've written 20, 25 songs, and we're going to whittle it down. And so I'm just like, well, why don't you just, in a lot of ways, I'll just be like, I don't understand. Like, just focus more on the 13 and make them stronger versus kind of writing, like, a bunch of cast-offs. I guess it's the way that you write, though, which might be interesting because what we were talking about before, because we did write with, like, jam. So we would have, like, all these songs that... And the way that we wrote was uh, vocals always came, like, last, like, to our detriment, like, a bit of... Vocals and even, like, the lyrics, but also just the vocals. Melodies, yeah. It was always, like, about the three instruments. And then like tacked on so a lot of these songs we had half formed instrumentals that we would then Mm -hmm. just just discard ultimately discard you know at the whittling down process closer to like you know let's actually make this like 12 or 13 songs but we did on our last record we had like 12 12 songs on the record and then we had like oh leftovers for like an ep and a seven inch which i always like to do and that's what all these bands that we like grew up with seemingly had so many so many songs and i was i was just so impressed by like yeah. uh, these guys had a really good work ethic and i think right. that's what 
I don't know. I, uh, that was something that we, I think, strove, strove for. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that uh, I, it's a quote that I keep coming back to. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show, though, but Tom Petty, uh, I was reading an interview with Tom Petty once, and he said, like, it's like, it'll take me a year to write 10 good songs. Yeah. And, I mean, part of me thinks, well, that's, inc- that's like, incredibly, that seems very slow. But at the same point, it's like, it's really fucking hard to write a good, like, yeah. you know. So, t- I, I, n- looking back on it now, it's like, 10 songs in a year doesn't seem that unrealistic yeah i mean it's also you know? yeah I, not at all like it's the same as like you know the like the like in comedy like to come up with like your next hour it's gonna yeah. take what like it's like well yeah you could come up with an hour that's i guess also as a person like i like i was just like i heard i was listening to sebado it was like i never listened to them i never really got into them but like i mm-hmm. i decided to give them a listen again because they was on wtf or whatever and so i like listen to harmacy and bake sale mm-hmm. and but I was just sitting. I was like, "There's so many songs, man. <laughs> like, write less songs." Like, in a, he definitely falls into that world of yeah. like, it is a certain type of songwriter. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing too. It's just a different type of approach to music. Like the people who can just like just jam, just constantly, just like, well, I'm just still working off all these tapes I've made. I got like 50 yeah. tapes full of like 80 songs. Yeah. Uh, but that also sometimes like I'll just like you're not that far off of like Daniel Johnston to me or yeah. something. Like where it's just like. Or like Wesley Willis, where it's like yeah, vomiting sure, out, of stuff, yeah. you're just vomiting. But out. I think that part well, of that same al- thing over yeah. part of that also speaks to, um, and you can make the argument, you know, having the luxury to work on ten yes. songs a year, and that's I wanted to segue into like being a like a full time musician, and I know that both of you I think feel the same way because um, I remember us talking about it years ago, like looking at you know like we are scientists tour schedule when they, you know, um, and you're just like, I would never want to do that. Like I would never want to be in a band. No disrespect to those guys, of course, but like, um, much disrespect that, to that Fuck you, friends of scientists. the show, uh, that like you're touring constantly playing the same set every night. Like, and you're, you know, maybe you're touring like, uh, you know, you know, and things are taken care of for you. So all you have to do is play. You know, you're driving around in a bus. And I, I think you feel the same way. Yeah. Whereas I think that if I was given the opportunity, like, I would jump at it. Would you? I, I, I think so. Are we going leave back your, to the... Leave uh, your beautiful house and well, dog and wife? Are we going back yeah. to the backup guitar at Black Crows? Uh, no, that's, well, that, that, that we can bring up. That's a good question for Dan. But, like... But, wait, but that's the thing. Like, I guess, that, like, the Metallica thing never sounded good to me yeah like that sounds terrible like we were on tour for three years fuck that like i i I have a different like you know like i also want to have a wife Mm -hmm. like i want and a life like i want to uh and and and, you know i i guess like yeah it it never really like oh longer than five weeks felt like i always especially even when i was in like a band nonstop. like i really wanted to be on tour a lot but like not the kind of I mean, maybe it's also it's it's somewhat easy to say because like the opportunity was never completely there yeah. for me. Dude, have 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 you have your thoughts changed on that? Your no, I mean now I could I can't imagine being in a band uh, yeah, right. and doing it other. I mean, I jam like I jam. <laughs> uh, I go upstairs at my house right now. I have a drum set in the attic and I play every day. Right, and it's great. And I haven't like you know stopped that. And I my buddy are. Good friend Young Sing, original bass player in Oxford Collapse, mm-hmm. is moving back to moving local again in a couple months, and we're going to start a band right. called James Cameron. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and we're going to start with Guns N' Roses covers. <laughs> right, perfect. <laughs> covers and originals. <laughs> uh, but It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, the tour, I mean, just the touring thing, like 10 years, it it's also right now uh, the 10-year exact anniversary of when Oxford Claps did our first That's big right. U.S. tour. Our, right. first, well, the, our first record came out in April of 2004, right? I think it came, it was like delayed. It came out yeah. in June, um, oh, okay. I believe. I don't know. It came out like, you know, we our tour was June 2nd to like July 2nd, and the record came out like July 4th. Or, <laughs> right. Yeah, 4th, right. 4th of July. And there was, was like, a week worth of off days in that. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> well, we were yes. in Florida for yeah. a week just hanging out. Yeah. Well, living life. Kissing to our ourselves. credit, we booked it Shitting our, ourselves. We, we, we booked it ourselves. Right. Um, you booked your fucking life. We, that, that, <laughs> that we definitely did. Um I have very fond memories of 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 all of the tours for the most part, but the one that I that I thought might Wait, just be, for a second yeah. there though would you though would you really would I I, I mean it's easy to say in theory but yeah. like I agree like, I don't you, think I don't think I could do like a, a Metallica esque three but, well but the thing well, is the what's caveat the we're talking here I think if someone asked me to do like a three week comfortable cush tour oh that's not that's not the, even the closest <laughs> safe question of what you're like you're, all right, all right. you're fighting all against, expenses paid. Yeah, 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 like, but like you're crowd there every night. Something that isn't anything. Okay, sure, fighting. sure. Like you're acting like oh, I would totally jump at two. Years I think, I think, um, five, or even like the nine monther. Like, well, especially now that I have like a uh, a very flexible full time job that is that is very attractive. It's much harder. We are scientists. We are yeah. scientists. Are good friends. Yeah, friends of the show. They need another guitarist. Yeah. For how you like, t- how how long do they go on tour? Let's total up their year. I don't know. Pro- they probably go on for like three months. Three Maybe. months? You three do months. three months? Um, I would have to consider it heavily. <laughs> I would because that, but that that to me, I think would be fun only because I like those guys a, a lot. Sure. That, there's a novelty I mean, to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even three months is like not a different question that I felt you were asking. Yeah, well, beginning. I guess my question was like, but the, but the thing is that I would certainly go. I'm planning on doing tours with this yeah. new band. No, like, no, in of course. Some capacity. But I think I think thinking going back to like the bigger bands we were talking about. But if you're touring at that level, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Metallica, Guns N' Roses. They get to bring their families with them. Yeah. You know, like it's not like there are these five schlubs in a van like right. huffing it. You know, right. like it's it's a completely like this the classic story about. REM, you know, like Michael Stipe had his own bus because he hated air conditioning. Right. And so like, you know, when you're when you're at that level that is completely unrelatable. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably I I don't know what I would complain about that. Sure. But what I was saying uh just about a potential worst tour ever for you. Um I don't I don't think it was the same one. It was a tour where, you know, you were dealing you had a girlfriend at the time. That seemed to be sort of distracting you. <laughs> I, I, I am distractible. Yeah, I was texting and driving a lot. Oh, before it was before it was not okay to do that. Yeah, yeah. but it, at that point it was very okay. Yeah, it was totally fine, illegal to text while driving. And it was because for me it was like kind of the first time that I just thought that like, oh wow, it doesn't seem like Dan is really having fun. Yeah, I stopped having fun. This was was this. 07, I think, right? Was it the Thunderbirds tour in winter? Because it's never fun to tour in the middle of winter. <laughs> no, yeah. so whatever the tour was that we played in Phoenix. At, yeah, at that Ro- was when yeah. I was texting. I was like yeah. driving across the desert, just like one hand fucking T9ing the whole time. <laughs> uh, but that was miserable, yeah. Um, 
it stopped. Yeah, it stopped being fun on that on that tour for some reason. Did it? Was it just yeah. because of that situation, or was it just like did that start the kind of chain reaction of it, like maybe I don't like this aspect, and maybe I don't like this aspect? It was some pressure from like the the girlfriend situation, mm-hmm. and I missed her as yeah. well. And also, it was like I mean the show. That's kind of when we had like our big reality check, right. you know, because mm-hmm. we were always. Like, oh, we're going to get, we got signed to Sub Pop, and now there's going to be, you know, 500 people at all the shows. Mike's going to have his own bus because <laughs> like air Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I like air conditioning, actually. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah full of fucking yeah. circus peanuts. Exactly. Oh, I had some oh, last God. night, like <laughs> fried chicken cutlet every night. It's got nauseous. No, I keep, keep yeah, keep uh, going. Well, that was fall 2006, and it was just, it was just a, a reality check that, like, this the crowds we thought were going to be coming aren't coming Mm. and it was just it turned into like a very long month even though we were on tour with friends like it was great we had um our good friend jesse was in the band chin up chin up and we all got along but Mm -hmm. jesse was like at that point already like a good old friend right so it should have been more fun than it was i don't know you know what i think it's a promise like that's a big i mean the friend the girlfriend thing but it's that it's that the it's not the promise of the west but the promise there is somewhat it's the promise of like this is it we've been waiting yeah, for exactly this. Cause i think that's what it is it's as i said before it's all about the becoming and right the yes being. And right and i was just like oh really it, the journey not the destination right. kind and of, it, but it is kind of ends up being like it's one of those like in retrospect like you can't change the past obviously but it is that element of like you know if you're not happy by the time you get to saturday night live then you won't mm-hmm. be happy like mm-hmm. it's like you have to like oh um, like it's 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 a it's a terrible age to have to sit there and remind yourself, like, I should just enjoy this while it lasts, because it probably won't be all the time. Yeah. Like, could you just get in that mind, just like, fuck this, I'm never going to fucking... Well, you know what, I think, I think f- for us, it was like, we had been working really hard up to that point, um, and it wasn't like, you know, we were on the small label in New York, it wasn't, you know, we weren't like... <laughs> It wasn't a big deal. We were just like, we were just working. We were, we were becoming more confident. And yeah, it was totally like, well, let's see what, and then when Sub Pop entered the picture, it's like, oh my, this is the ticket to Hollywood right mm-hmm. here. Like, how could this not, you know, 2006, it was still like, you know, labels weren't completely irrelevant. Right. Um, and it was Sub Pop. I remember you guys signed Sub Pop. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like this. Episode. It was, it was, it was a real, um, you know, it was a big deal. I think I think it felt like a big accomplishment, and and for me, I remember when we did the Frightened Rabbit tour, which I think was the first. That was after for the second Sub Pop record, and the first show we played with them, it was packed. It was at it was at the Empty Bottle, and it Great was place. it was the it was the classic. You guys I don't had know why I always get the fettuccine no. Alfredo when I'm not, <laughs> not the empty bottle. No, but oh. it, it was the co-headlining That's tour a good thing to, before you play. So yeah. we co-headlining tour. So we were switching off nights, and Frightened Rabbit played before us this night, and the place was packed and like like getting ready, like this is gonna be great. And then like they finish playing, and the place doesn't empty out, but like. 75 percent of the audience leaves. Wait, oh, we played after, after them at the empty bottle. Yeah, Ugh. that was, it was like, a free show too. It was a free show. And then so... TV rate, TV on the radio, Panthers, Death from Above 1979, Panthers. It's rough. Yeah. And so we're just like... And that was just one of these kind of soul-crushing, like, fuck. Like, because, you know, there was the promise, even after the first sub-pop record, maybe there weren't 500 people at the shows, but it's like, people know us now. So, like, for the second record... It's those moments where I would, like, have that, like, spinal tap 
line that would like pop my head when Boston gets canceled. And he's like, I wouldn't worry too much. It's not a big college town. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, it's like the Chicago places where you're like, uh oh. Yeah. I have to really reevaluate. But then we would always do well in Chicago too. Yeah. And well, because that's the thing. Because usually, and that would be the problem. Like we would have those like, like I've talked about before, the 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 all glory tour, that one we booked. We booked a tour on the West Coast that Kip deemed the all glory tour because he's like, <laughs> let's only play places that we know do well. Everyone sucks. Ah. Like everyone did not wasn't glory because it, like it was just like, what are we doing? We can't count on this shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's hard when it, you can say it when it's fucking the middle of Iowa. Yeah, like you're in Boise or something. Well, your expectations change, but then, but then there's then you got to make the phone call to your booking agent, (laughs) being like, "Look, like those guys should headline all of these shows." Right. And we were totally fine with because we really were a support band, and I think that's how that was like our best. We played best like when we weren't worried about if there was a crowd there. In retrospect, I wish, I wish we had the wherewithal to have done that. And yeah. not like we basically were like, especially with the TV on the radio one, we were like almost like I remember there were moments of like sheepishly just like, let's just try to get what we can get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> like still headlining. Realize. So when you guys were co- were you switching off every night or they were just opening for you every night? No, no, no. That no. Actually, I mean, for death from above, because yeah. uh, TV on the radio was one we were going to co-headline. And then like a they, couple they weeks blew before up. they sent an email. Or to our booking, it was just like, we're gonna headline, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, we couldn't really fight it. I had a brief moment of like, let's fight it. Yeah. But definitely above, I definitely, we were like, let's, let's just ride them. it out because yeah. we need the money. We went as far as San Diego with Frightened Rabbit before. We're just like, you guys just headline. Yeah. I feel like, remember, uh, this could be a false memory, like at the Empty Bottle show, I, th- I feel like I told you, I was like, didn't you know this was gonna happen? Like, they need to headline the whole tour. <laughs> you, may, you very well may have, may have <laughs> I told I, me. That. I think I saw it coming. Um, I, I think to 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 your credit, even more so, I think than mine. Like a sense of modesty has always prevailed, um, maybe to our detriment sometimes. But I, but ultimately, like being level-headed, a combination of that, and I think you were also very good at never resting on your laurels, and that like you didn't let the band be like you were always. It, and I think you know it's different from me being like, oh, Dan isn't having fun on this tour too. Um, Dan is just pushing us to make better stuff every time. You know, those are two different things. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I, I don't want to say I've never, I'm not a perfectionist, but I'm also never been happy with like, with anything. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, I, I would say that's a good attitude to have to always, because it's not like, it's not like being negative, not being like, I've been accused by John Aniello of being contrari- <laughs> contrarian, yeah. I think, and I don't think I'm any of those things. I'm just never like happy with my own personal output or something right. that I'm involved in creatively or mm. artistically. I'm very, very rarely happy. You're your own worst critic. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. a good thing to have. Like, yeah. Because, you know, fire fire under your ass, like trying to do better and yeah. do something better and do it differently next time, even though, yeah. you know, there's always something. Right. It's always something that's uh, not perfect. I think that leads to a question that I can ask because it's a you're both in the same bands, mm-hmm. or you were. What? What? Uh, I'm not. I want to get Jerry Springer here, but a little bit. Like, what would be the worst part of both on tour? Because on tour, you you know, you're like stuck in a van. Like, I can like kind of go around in Panthers and yeah. like say like, oh, this is the thing that was the most annoying. Whether it be just like this guy snores too much or this guy's fucking. That was me. Is yeah. that the main thing? <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was. Go ahead, our guest. Me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll bring it all full circle here. 
uh, I remember a story that Mike heard. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how he heard it from who. Probably Jay Green. Uh huh. Um, it was Jay. Like on his behavior on tour would be to always find the best place to sleep and just yes. put his sleeping bag there. And Mike heard this story and really internalized it. And he would immediately wherever we were staying would literally do that. Right. Until once, I finally after like six, seven years of this, I was like, "You ask because I, I." I, none of us had a place to live like at a weird time in like late 2008. Yeah, we were right. like floating. But I had like not, I had been on a couch since for like the most of the year because we'd been on tour. When I'd been off tour, I was just floating with friends, apartments, and stuff. And then there was like this, you know, we stayed in Buffalo in uh, late 08, uh-huh. I think. The nice couple who took us out to like the, their house in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like a full big I, house, which is the best right. thing to have. Yeah. And and then there was like you know one like guest room, and then Mike like marched <laughs> up there, and I was like, no, yeah. you asshole! I have not slept in a bed in like eight months. I am taking this room. So you learned from the that's, Jay Green experience. Apparently, I did. That's that's honestly, I mean, unless I've forgotten if it's come up before, that's the first time that I've heard of my kind of uh, surreptitious snaking of the. Uh, that's amazing. Jay Green really only, internalized. Jay yeah. Green would only get usurped by Justin Cherno and Panthers because even though Justin Cherno was eight to ten years older than like all of us, he never went on tour with a sleeping bag. Like Adam, yeah. our bass and player. So, also. But, so that would always somehow translate to like, well, I guess he should get the couch in the blankets <laughs> or the bed yeah. because he doesn't have anything. Uh, and because an he also thing. snored like a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you wait? Do you snore like a nightmare? I I, I have in the past. <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> I've been known yeah, to let, a bit of snore. No, I well, remember. One time, one time, a guy in Best Friends, <laughs> uh, like actually, like woke Mike up because he thought he was dying of like sleep sure. apnea. Like yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. We were we were all sleeping in one big room oh, in Santa God. Barbara. Uh, yeah, and he woke me up. It. Yeah, and then I felt really self conscious after that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I should probably try to do well, something they, about he'll, this. He'll side if you like turn him over. It's like your yeah. I, if I sleep on my side, yeah. Uh, what um, would you say? Is was the worst or most? I mean, I think it definitely it definitely got to me when I felt that you weren't like you were distracted or not like having fun or like, cause then I, you know, cause our, our, our bass player, Adam was kind of like a happy go lucky guy. Right. Like, you know, uh, didn't necessarily need to worry right. about that. Um, but so it, yeah, I think it definitely bothered me. Like if, if, if I thought that you were distracted by something, because at the time, at least, you know, when we were on tour, I felt like, well, this is, this is what we do. Right. Like, this is, you know, right. We're, we're right now we're kind of, um, you know, going for it uh and but i think but a lot of the other stuff like the the uh sort of you know striving for togetherness or or striving striving for to like turn out the best and like not being satisfied with like stuff ultimately i i i recognize that pretty quickly like this is like a good good thing trait to have um so so yeah, I mean that that kind of stuff. Like, cause I just I I wanted us all to like, you one know, all for one, one for yeah. all. We're in this. And I to think win I it. think by and large it was. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. I just I've just remembered like that particular tour um, in 07 just being like, 
because um, I remember I yelled at you once in uh, in Ma- it was I think it was Madison. We were like walk. It was Joe Ross with was with us, oh, a yeah. roadie, and you were like sulking, like walking like twenty <laughs> paces ahead of us. We we're just like killing time before the show, yeah. and like we we're just hanging out, you know, and like you were yeah, just. I was just like having a. Um, you were in a funk. Yeah, but just for like, I mean, yeah. that was a really fun time. That was just like that day. Yeah, you know, it was no big deal. And well, then, which is also the hard part, though. One of the as a person who is, I've gotten much better, but was very like angry and depressed. Like, it, you, there's nowhere to go. Like well, a lot of times, if you're like, on we tour, so, you're like, in a funk. You're yeah. just there. Well, this guy Joe Ross, like, love him, great guy, but like motor mouth. And he was so <laughs> right. excited to be on tour, and that was like the second day or something. Yeah, we were, right. It was just like in the van, like get me. The fuck out of this van right yeah the amount yeah. that i know like now i like to like sit on my couch silent in my <laughs> underwear like i can't fathom how much like i like but like because if you're just like i'm with these people like that's why i also like as also as a person who'd never partied like i yeah. hated that was like my negative of europe would be that there was always like especially germany there was some sort of like dance party thing oh god after yeah, and I, I would be like i'm in a funk man i don't want to fucking deal with this shit I I'd yeah. sit in the van and yeah. I would. I would just go sit in the van by myself and stare. Well, that was like on our European tour too, which we'd always since starting the band. That was like we really couldn't, you know, we wanted to mm-hmm. go to Europe, like sure. holy grail. Yeah, the continent because we'd gone to the UK a bunch of times yeah. before that. Yeah, we really wanted to do that. And finally, we find ourselves there. Of course, it was winter, right? And I was pretty miserable the whole time, right? And also, it's because I just hadn't lived anywhere in like a year, yeah. and I yeah. was just like. I need, I, I feel like I don't have any sense of like home and like, you know, in the cold and like, you know, Prague, you yeah. Know, yeah. like that leg was just like depressing. Well, it's and, hard too. I know it's, it's, we've talked about it a billion times, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's so hard to at the time feel appreciation for it. Like I even like yesterday I was like teaching a sketch class and some, it somehow came up where a student was like, oh, you've toured Europe. I was like, ah, I toured Europe like three times. And they were like, oh. Like, yeah. But I was like, oh, I said that like a real jerk. But yeah. like, it's kind of like not many people get to do well, that's, that. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I've, speaking for myself, like, yeah, there were definitely times where it was like the pits and it was just sure. like, why are we? But for the most part, you know, the promise of the West that I always talk about. There was always, I always. What's I was the kinda, promise of the West? The promise of the West. I was for just me. about to ask, how do you feel? As, <laughs> well, as tell me, give me the, uh, give me almost a hundred episodes the, of hearing me the, about the promise. Give me the context. The promise of the West was, was never like crystallized at the time, but that was like, I, as you know, like would love, like, let's play in Montana. Like, let's, let's go out. Like, cause Crawl we always, West. we always toured counterclockwise. So it was like, end of that first week or like middle of the second week we find ourselves in like Montana or Idaho and like there's always something to look forward to usually it's the west coast but like expectations are lowered we're in Montana who cares <laughs> so like you never bring up the prophecy uh, no I didn't, I didn't I haven't heard this phrase I, ha- I, yeah, I never I never it, verbalized it's almost it. every episode we've talked about the <laughs> yeah because because west. it was something it was <laughs> the thing that I looked forward to because I always appreciated traveling right and especially changing time zones and as you go <laughs> west it's like you know it's just you, that's and there was always an element of vacation and like the novelty never wore off for me. So yeah. that so like the promise of the West was like the always there was always something to look forward to. When when the promise of the West didn't come into play was like on that last leg around like Oof. North Carolina, Virginia, yeah. and I, but like, that's the promise of home. Yeah, yeah like but it that. was it was so like it was promise of exhaustion yeah. and like <laughs> oh we have to play like um you know like what was the place in uh, North Carolina that we played Milestone? a couple times. 
maybe like they had like play there on Halloween once. Oh no, we always played a different place in North Carolina. I don't no. know. I don't. North Carolina was uh, oh nothing. yeah yeah yeah. It was like a place. Soapbox laundry. So yeah yeah. You guys ever play the soapbox laundry? No. It was like a huge in Wilmington. Like, Wilmington, North Carolina. Yeah, it's a cool, I was gonna say the creepy crawl. It's a cool spot. Well, that's in South. Uh, um, that's in St. Louis. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We play. We played there yeah. too. We played yeah. a yeah weird half part improvised show there. With like, <laughs> we played twice yeah, in, one in one day. day yeah. yeah, but what? like one of the show, well, like, like an all ages show. We, we played one show. It is like yeah, some all ages Sunday afternoon winter show. Right. Yeah, and then I don't know. We were just stuck there with our friend Centipede East from Pittsburgh. And then we found out that there was another show happening, like, you know, our show ended at, like, five, and then, like, the next show started, and we are like, oh, let's try to get on that show, because Mile Marker was playing, like, oh, that's Mm. the real show, you know, that's the big show. And Lords, do you remember Lords Mm -hmm. from Louisville? Louisville, pretty good record. They were both both playing. so so we are like, let's try to get on this show, but they wouldn't let us. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't like we had to basically like combine with centipede to like have one show in our two shows so we oh. just like we did a one 15 minute set <laughs> with both um, bands playing at yeah. the same time <laughs> or it was like we started playing and then they like took over it was it was kind of cool actually but i did want to also bring up just so we also have it on the record that you know I, i'm pretty proud of the fact that no one in our band ever really came to blows but on that european tour Dan did pin me up against the wall uh, because I inadvertently hit him in the head with our merch case, which was a uh, like a tortoise, like one of those huge old American tourister like plastic suitcases. Um, And he like because we were loading out of the club because there was a dance party happening. It was in Madrid. And um, I want to hear the story from your perspective. That was a good show. It was a great show. Yeah. In Madrid. And uh and it was like, yeah, on this tour that was just like not. I wasn't having a great time. Winter. Like, kind of wished I was having a good time. Well, there yeah. were no. Well, we were in Spain. It was. It was sure. lovely. But it was. An, it was a pretty uh. extensive. It was a full month of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was in the sixties. Well, yeah, it was warmer yeah. in like uh, mid central Spain. Yeah. But, right. um, I don't know. It was just. I was just probably like you know amped up from like a good show and like you know had a couple drinks and like I never ate dinner before. Right. I played because I would like weigh me down so right i was i was always like a little tipsy especially after a good show that's probably all it was but I, it was just like yeah seven years like build up or whatever it was like oh <laughs> uh, brooke was there too uh yeah our, our buddy and uh-huh. adam was inside talking to i don't even know if you know this <laughs> i found out later eric copeland's wife uh oh. Yeah, really? like, was nice. at that show. She's Portuguese, I believe. But uh-huh. She was at that show, and Adam was like inside, like babbling to her. Uh, had no idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you brought. I, we were just loading up like Tetris style the minivan, and yeah, you hit me with the the merch, and then <laughs> and you were like, "Sorry," and then I was like, "I needed a second. Yeah. and then you were like, "Oh, get over it." <laughs> That's the missing that piece. That was the thing. Yeah. That's a classic Mike Pace line yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to which then Dan pinned me up against the wall and said something to the effect of, like, this is a long time coming. Like, and, uh, yeah, it, w- it was, I mean, it was, yeah, like seven years of oh, kind of, you know, over really, you know, being in an intense quarters for a long time. Um, good soup today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and then we made wow. up the next morning in the McDonald's, McDonald's bathroom. Wait, how was the night though? 
Well, I just I, stay away it was from full each other. of hijinks. Like Adam, like somehow we all find like Adam like lost the tour cell phone that night. Yeah, and, no, like, I went back to the hotel with or the guy who was whoever the the Spanish promoter was. Right. I was apologizing because he saw it. He was outside, oh, really? and I was just like. I'm really embarrassed like that never happens uh, so I just went back to and for me it's like oh I get to go back to the hotel and it's like not even 1130 right. like this could be a good night after all <laughs> um, and then so I don't know what happened I don't know I remember night. like getting at, somehow Adam like didn't have any money and like uh, leave it to another band member to be more of an idiot he, in this situation he uh, ended up like taking a cab and then having to like just run out of the cab without paying. And, but then he lost in that cab our, our cell phone. Uh-huh. So we didn't have a cell phone for the rest of the tour. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, oh, get over it. <laughs> Glad we have that for the record. Classic pace. That, wait, what was the soup line? Oh, the soup from Frank. Yeah, 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 that's right. Okay. Our, uh, official yeah. comedy show. Yeah. Um, so... That talking about this stuff, I bring is a good segue into a question that we've been asking people lately. What's the worst thing about you, personally, professionally, whatever, that you would like to change? <laughs> worst thing about me that I would like to change? I think that I'm like competitive in a, in sometimes a detrimental way, I, and I think again, competition is good uh, in the same way that, like, you know, not resting in her laurels and yeah. never being happy is good to a certain extent. But I feel like it's for some reason like ingrained in me all my life and is manifested in different ways. That's that, um, that's interesting. I never thought that we were like. I don't know if you're talking about stuff in the band, but I I never felt there was any kind of competition well, between. No. I thought we worked. No, I it was, no, a, I, it was I, like not, a partnership. Not in the band. Not in the yeah. band. Not in the band, because I think we were like on the same team yeah. in the band, like against the world. But like right. a band like Panthers, we were just right, like, sure. I, you must know, like to a certain extent, the like may, invented in Oxford Collapse head rivalry with Panthers uh-huh. <laughs> that like only only existed for us. I blame it on Jay Green, and that's but that's like the the, the competitive. I mean, that is a manifestation of yeah, it, but right. in, a, in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what, yeah. healthy competition is. But that, that, that's not what drives yeah. me. Unhealthy competition drives me nonstop. <laughs> but I remember when we were talking about you coming in to do this, you said that you kind of wanted to talk about the scene, quote unquote, like at the time. And that maybe that that's a good segue into that. And like where we, you know, what your thoughts were on that, and like where we fit in, if at all. I think we we fit in today. I just, which I've seen before, I watched... Um, when I was supposedly working, uh, watch in its entirety, uh, Avitaire, Panda Bear, and Geologist 2001, uh, live in San Diego or something right. on that Black Dice yeah. Avitaire tour, uh, that w- they had subletted their practice space to us. Yeah. And we were with Panthers. And that's how, yeah. like, we first met you guys yeah. pretty right. much. Um, so I was kind of like thinking about that today, but randomly, and like, we existed as a band kind of from those times. Um, Garbage dump of a practice space. North Fourth. That was cool. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, we wanted so many, in there so bad. Yeah. It was North so Forth many Street. broken toys. Who else and was I in this space? Black Dice and Animal gang Collective. Dance. And who? Gang Gang Dance. And Gang Gang Dance. Okay. And that's, I constantly was, conf- I always thought it was Black Dice had all the broken toys, but I think it was uh, Avi Terran Panda Bear. 
Yeah. But there were just a lot of like broken, weird, like children's toys and like a, a dinosaur keyboard that drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah. So I always have to move it out of the way. Well, just to you play know what? I, for, I totally forgot about that. And it meant a lot because for us, and this is probably part of that invented competition is that like this was all of our first bands right and whereas you guys had come from like a cool band right um there we you know what's well there so, yeah, was yeah no, well there was like there was credibility right. there right um and i think and that we, we went into a very we just wanted band. credit in the cool world yeah that's well all I, we want. I think sure. that, that was you know and, and you it, want to acknowledge it's i mean yeah. that's what uh, i talk about it with my buddy nate all the time but, but in relation to comedy like it's like clearly it's never stopped for me it's like you want to be sitting at the cool kids table and my battle that i have that's one of my negative things like i want to be invited to the cool kids table and also be able to say i don't want to sit there like i just want to have that Mm -hmm. access i want access to to enable to deny it and the access to be able to deny as well like you know uh and it's annoying mentally yeah uh because you always think you're on the outskirts somehow yeah and there isn't really a skirts Right. I mean, I think that's what drove us like and I mean those those kind of like yeah per- perceived uh like uh insecurities mm-hmm. um or real insecurities and like, you know, these perceived competitions. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, once once we kind of got to a place where we cuz we were always like we we just want to we need to play a cool show, mm-hmm, you know? right. And then, you know, after a couple of years we were we were playing yeah. only cool shows. And right. we, you know, that kind of those kind of things fell by the wayside, but there was like yeah, a couple of years when we started playing, and we were just like, let's get, you know, show it Acme Underground <laughs> and uh, like the Charleston. Where we played our first shows. Yeah. 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 yeah just like getting in at yeah. all is the hardest part. Yeah. And like, you know, Todd P would never give us a show ever. Yeah. yeah. Like to this day. Or to play <laughs> with someone who had like, you know, like, I, for, like we shared our practice space with, um, some band that used to be members of the Halal She Dad from right. Atlanta, which like to me was like, oh, we made it. <laughs> yeah, like like the, those guys started like, from the bottom. Those, those guys right. have like acknowledged our existence, and now we can like Might as well have been sharing a space yeah. with Hoes Got well, Cable, well, <laughs> who were or not Cable though from Connecticut, who were great. Yeah, they were yeah. Fantastic. Uh, cable, you know Cable. Yeah, we've talked oh, about Cable before. Well, Speed Drive, fantastic. Um, you know Cable. Yeah, Jeff Kashid. Yeah, I never met them like back in the because okay. they were from a different section of Connecticut. But. Jeff Kashid went to my high school. But the idea was is that like this was just on our in our universe like this was like oh my god like these guys have put out a record like they're cool right. like on trouble man yeah yeah and like the, you know they were, I remember we we played a show we when Mike Simonetti was doing those shows what was that bar we played with the the not the OCs the band the Coach Whips. Oh, right. And that was like Boogaloo. a cool show. Right. And, Wait, what uh, band was this? The Hal Shadad band? No, Retcon. They were called Retcon. It was it the was brother John. of the guy. Brother. It wasn't actually the Hal Shadad. It was his brother. <laughs> but that's how desperate we were for like, so I could <laughs> casually name drop. A brother oh, of yeah, a guy we share, in we share, we share <laughs> a practice space with yeah. the brother of a guy from the Hal Shadad. But right. you know, this is like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Like, we're still a very young band, still trying to figure out what we're doing. And like, this is a... Uh, you know, this, it, it was a big deal. Yeah. And now it's pretty funny. Heady days. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, to bring everything full circle here, and truly full circle, because 100 episodes ago, we did have Jay Green, singer of Panthers, yep. on. 100 episodes later, yep. Dan Featherson, drummer of Oxford Collapse. So we've 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 gotten members of our own bands. 100% here. full circle. What do you think of the word gig? gig. <laughs> uh, I'm down with it. Uh we never. We always used to make fun of it. Um, I think it's. 
yeah, it always had these connotations of like, I don't know, just like suburban dads, you know, like playing covers and originals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like cool with it now. <laughs> well, I, I could play. I could play down a, with a gig. I could play a gig. <laughs> well, I think we've all matured, and I think that's just one of the signposts of like, you know, is that you could say the word gig. I guess this is growing and up. <laughs> <laughs> So, what an <laughs> so listen. I think that this is uh, this has been cathartic for me, at least in a certain extent. Like therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. Because I remember when after the band broke up, we had like we got lunch to like talk about like stuff at that Williamsburger place. Do you remember? And we had like a great lunch, and we just talked about stuff, but we didn't really. We talked about the band for like Were you three minutes. Here? No, wait. Probably not. Yeah. Because I was, yeah, I was living in Austin at the time right. when when the band ended. Um, but this is this has been a nice forum or quorum, if you will. It's been probably a long time. not not the right. Yeah, it's been five years, almost exactly five years since our last show. Half a decade. Heady days. Heady fucking days. Yeah. Here's a question. Why do you say heady days so much? Is that a recurring theme? As I well? don't. Why uh, he says it. But Jeff here, says I've it. been meaning to look that word up because I feel like it's misused all the time. Wait, what probably. is the dictionary a, definition of heady? Uh, no idea. I think it I just, means I like saying it as just I say it all the time when I'm like just kind of like being a. Dude. I think it, I think it means like intellectual no, or like what does it mean? Heady, heady. Yeah, like I a, think it's just uh, yeah. You're in a either, it's a lot to grasp. Different headspace and yeah, it's a lot. I thought to it means like it was like around fast and crazy and like out of control. It could. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll look it up. So look, we're going to figure I'll out. keep misusing it. Don't worry. We're going to figure out what that means. No, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll I have, I've been meaning to look it up. Like, it's top of my list. Well, you can do that, but there are three things, <laughs> three words that we have to say to you before you can do that. Signing off. Jeff, should we say them together? Yeah. Get, Get home safe. safe. Fuck you. Oh. <laughs> Worst gig ever.